0: From Olympic City and the home of Pike's Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are, rocking it for the Automotive ADHD Show. That is the show. I am Matt West, here to talk to you about cars. Yeah, this is a car show talk all sorts of fun car stuff look my family got tired of me talking cars to them over christmas and uh, they said no no <laughs> go do it on your show we've heard enough of it so hey here i am to talk to you about cars got all sorts of good stuff uh, to talk about uh, today and uh, gonna keep it kind of light you know it's we're just coming off of christmas and uh, going to keep things, you know, no, we're not going to talk any infrastructure bills or any automotive politics. Just going to kind of keep things simple. Got some just kind of fun news in the car world. So I'm going to hit on that today. Uh There is a uh, collector car that is gaining popularity that I think mm, mm, uh, maybe shouldn't, maybe shouldn't. And uh then also going to talk about why Dodge loves car people and why more manufacturers should Do what Dodge does. And also another guy uh, blew up his Tesla on purpose. Yes, all sorts of fun stuff. You know, and of course, all things uh, Throttle Warrior, you can find at uh, throttlewarrior.com. And of course, there's the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. If you would like to interact with the show, ladies, gentlemen, Volvo S60Rs. Before we get into uh, talking about Some of those other things. Uh, I want to give you a quick update on the Toyota key fob story from, uh, oh gosh, uh, two weeks ago two weeks ago. And uh, so, uh, and, and uh, to give you a little bit of a recap here. So first of all, Toyota, they're they are starting to backpedal on their decision, uh, clearly after hearing my criticisms on this show. No, <laughs> no there was a, a lot of criticism in the automotive space uh, about their decision to charge a monthly subscription for the use of the remote start feature on their key fobs um, for their 2018 and up uh, vehicles and uh, now again. So, give me, before we get into what they're doing now. I'm going to give you a quick recap if you missed the show a couple of weeks ago. Which, if you did, after this one, go check that out. Also, listen to the interview with Wesley Kagan from last week. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how I can top that interview or top that in future episodes. I I don't think it was. It's possible. It was such a great show. So go listen to that. But um, so Toyota had decided that it was a good idea to start charging a monthly reoccurring subscription for their, quote, connectivity package, which I get that. If it's a internet package, mobile Wi-Fi hotspot, yeah, you're paying to use someone else's cell towers and someone else's servers, that's fine. But included in that technology package was the remote start feature for all of their 2018 and up vehicles. And they just announced that, yeah, we're gonna take that thing you've had for a couple of years and, and put it behind a paywall. And, you know, and, and OK, so the people that weren't too bugged by this said, you know, oh, but it's only eight bucks a month. Come on. Eight dollars a month. Who doesn't have eight dollars a month? I'll tell you what. Uh, it doesn't matter that it's eight dollars a month. The price is irrelevant. The, the point I made a couple of weeks ago was that if you have to pay a subscription to use a mechanical feature on the car. Again, this isn't like an Internet you know connectivity thing where you're using someone else's towers and servers now this is a mechanical feature that exists within the car itself if you have to pay extra to use that and use it as a subscription that means you don't own the car that means you're paying for the right to use the car at toyota's discretion and uh, we all know of some other automakers who are um who, who do this sort of thing uh more so than toyota big names that come to mind uh of course a uh, tesla mercedes uh, and a few others. Now, again, so if you're paying eight bucks a month to have this remote start feature, again, you you paid fifty. You might have paid fifty thousand dollars, right, for a up trim Toyota TRD Tacoma, you know, TRD Pro Tacoma, you know, the top trim one, right? Uh, and uh, you know, and, and you might have spent fifty thousand dollars on that. Well, oh, cool. You still got to pay eight bucks a month. What fifty thousand dollars? It's not good enough for you. I don't know. Um, Of course, car manufacturers are in the business of making money, but I think that this was a Stupid decision, and somehow someone at Toyota, you know, said, "Yeah, that's a good idea," and then no one else told them, "No, it's not." I'm, it's ridiculous. So anyway, so fast forward to this week, and uh, this this uh, story was broke by the uh, Drive. Uh, hat tip to them; they were the ones who got the uh, exclusive interviews with some of the Toyota representatives about this topic. But um, Toyota says they were caught off guard by the backlash, uh, in the media about this. Really? They were caught off guard. Again, no one thought that someone would be upset by this. You know, I don't know all the owners of these vehicles. Um, now again, uh, the drive, they reached out to Toyota and got in touch with one of their spokespeople. And, uh, they said the Toyota spokesperson said, quote, uh, the subscription is truly for the app. The, the key fob remote start was never intended to be a cost item at either time of purchase or through subscription. Yeah, they're backpedaling. They said, oh no, we got caught. <laughs> we got caught with our pants down. And uh, yeah, and now, now they're uh, backpedaling. So uh, anyway, I think this is good news that they're going to backpedal. They shouldn't have done it in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. They're saying, you know what? We realize that that's not what our customers want and uh and we're going to change that so that's good i give them credit for that now they haven't said for sure whether or not it will be removed from the subscription service because as it stands they said it was never intended to be there but it's still there and um so they said basically oops it's an accident we accidentally put it in there again i don't think that's the case it's a huge car manufacturer with dozens and hundreds and hundreds of employees and, and and engineers and committees and design teams Nothing happened by accident, just saying. It, but, you know, again, they're backpedaling. Now, they said it's not entirely possible. They followed up saying they're not exactly sure how to get rid of it right now because it's so baked into some of the technology they have that they're not sure if they can simply remedy this with a software update. There might be physical hardware that has to be changed in order to make that work. Now, is that true or not? I don't know. I don't know. Um. Again, they're big. They're a huge car company. They can figure it out. That's my opinion. And uh, yeah, again, why aren't more people complaining about this thing with other automakers Um. like Tesla? Like the Tesla fanatics love it when Tesla nickels and dimes them for mechanical features that they have to pay for through, you know, paid over the air updates and stuff. Um. And again, Mercedes, an example I used a couple of weeks ago. Mercedes has a four wheel steering system on some of their really high trim cars and you can't use it if you don't pay the subscription all the time. And again, if it's a mechanical feature of the car and you bought the car with said mechanical feature, it should always have that mechanical feature because that's how you bought the car. You shouldn't have to pay a subscription. That's the most ridiculous thing. Again, the act of needing to pay a subscription to use a physical thing on the car um, just proves that you don't own the car. Oh yeah, sure, you got the title in your name. That's cool, but yeah, guess what? Tesla, Toyota, Mercedes, no, they still own the car you just are using it with their permission. So again, that's, uh, that's my issue with that. It's not that, oh, it's eight bucks for remote start. I don't even need remote start. No, it's, 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 it's out of principle. It's out of principle. Now, uh, anyway, I am glad Toyota is backpedaling. Hopefully other auto manufacturers decide to do that because this is a stupid trend in the auto industry. Just, you know, in my humble opinion. Anyway, so uh, by the way, speaking of Toyota, let's, um, let's go back in time. When things were simpler, there was no remote start. There were no key fobs. 1993. So this is cool. There is a 1993 Toyota pickup that is going up for auction. Get this. With 94 miles. Yeah. 94, not 94,000. Now, <laughs> 94 miles. Who the heck buys a Toyota pickup and just says, eh, I'm not going to drive it. Who Does that? I don't know who buys a car and doesn't drive it. And I mean, the, the those Toyota pickups they're not even just cars, they're utility vehicles. It's not like a low volume sports car or something rare, a special edition. Nope, it is a run of the mill average Toyota pickup with the 22RE and uh, great engine, great engine by the way. Not very powerful, very reliable though. I had that engine in my first car, it was which was a uh, 1988. Toyota um, 4Runners, so uh, first gen 4Runner. Very again, I love old Toyotas. I still own an old Toyota, um, and um, a different one. But hey, Toyotas are good, right? Now, here's the thing: um, the, the it, what, it, what surprises me is how much money this car is going to go up for auction for. Because one uh, recently sold for forty five thousand dollars with just a little over eighty miles on it. And, um, so 45 K for that, this car could very well go for 45,000, if not more because of just how the market is now. And that is ridiculous. Can you imagine spending $45,000 on an old nineties Toyota pickup? I'm sorry, but when I was in like high school, those were like thousand dollar cars, you know, And, and everyone had one. They were everywhere. They were just, they were just hanging around everywhere. Those cars, those trucks were cheap. And now people are asking a ton of money for them. And uh, even honestly, even like used ones with many hundreds of thousands of miles, people are still asking like $15,000 for. It's ridiculous now. But I, this is the, like the next big collector car craze, uh, in my opinion. And, and I, I can back that up with, you know, just seeing trends over the past you know few years uh, and looking at one of my favorite sites, uh, Bring a Trailer Auctions, I Hey, I, well, what can I say? I go there and look at stuff pretty regularly. I usually look at stuff I can't afford, but that's okay. Um, so and the nice thing about Bring a Trailer is they give you a cool little graph. And this graph, um, it shows you prices of, of auction listings that have sold. So I can see going back to 2016 on this graph, I'm looking at it right now, uh, the prices of 90s Toyota pickups. And they go all the way from, you know, three thousand dollars, four thousand dollars, up. We're climbing up. Nine thousand dollars. Wow, in '94, in uh, 2017, sold for, uh, yeah, nine thousand dollars, and then it keeps going up. And I mean, there's a ton of them here, but you get the idea. Now, the the actual trend of this graph, looking up over time all the way to 2021, almost 2022 now. Can you believe that? Uh, but uh, yeah, so looking up here now, I'm looking at, oh, here's a 1999. Now it's technically a Tacoma, but that sold for $36,000. Uh, or 1989 sold for $30,000. So we're going from like 3,000 a few years ago to $30,000. And um, when people start seeing these cars going up, getting big money. They say, Oh, I got one of those sitting in the garage. I haven't, well, we haven't driven it for a while. It's just been the, you know, the fun, like hunting truck or something. Even if it's a pile of garbage, it's haggard, it's beat up. Everyone now is going to start thinking they have a, uh, you know, they have the next, you know, $50,000 collector example of it. Now everyone's going to start asking a ton of money. And uh, it's, it's yeah, this is how collector cars become collector cars, where this is nothing new. We've seen this over the years with all sorts of cars, even old Ferraris and, uh, you know, old Chevy pickups, like C10 Chevy pickups. Holy crap, they're like 150,000 now. Um. So, yeah, yeah, we we see that kind of stuff going on. And, and the Toyota pickup is perhaps the next thing to do it. Now, I do get why some people want to buy older ones versus the newer ones, because the older ones are are simpler. They are... um. They're lighter, they're more reliable, uh, there's less things to go wrong, and also there's just a the nostalgia factor that plays into this. I mean, look at anything from the 80s and 90s right now. You can thank uh, Stranger Things, the television series, um, and you can thank that for creating a huge hype in uh 80s stuff and now that has transitioned into 90s stuff it's not just cars it's all in pop culture everyone's obsessed with things from the 80s and well now more so the 90s now we're transitioning to the 90s and what's next are people going to be like obsessing over mid-2000s cars yeah probably (laughs) if if the past is like anything to go off of that's what's coming next um and uh yeah imagine that imagine people paying like like 400k for like a like a, a base model Dodge Neon from 2004, yeah, I don't know. That is a dismal future right there. That is a dismal future. But I digress. Um, moral of the story here is: um, uh, it, it, you, moral of the story, ignore stocks and buy completely average vehicles. Don't drive them and sit on them for 30 years. Flip them on eBay. There you go. Or whatever we have in place of eBay in 30 years. So, yeah, clearly the best financial advice right here. Throw everything else out the window. Buy old cars. There you go. And, uh, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break, but I'm going to be back to talk about some really cool stuff that Dodge is doing. We're also going to play some of the car sounds that you sent in. That's coming up next.
1: Did you know? There's a rare but serious condition affecting one out of every million. Most are born with it, and despite decades of research, doctors struggle to find a cure. The truth is, thousands of people simply don't know what cars are. For those affected, things are grim, but recent developments show promising success. New clinical trials using breakthrough audio technology have shown a 69% improvement in patients with the most severe symptoms. Treatments vary, but one day we may see a cure. More information is available at ThrottleWarrior.com.
0: Oh yeah, here we are rocking it for the second half of the show. Matt West here, hanging out with you to talk cars. Those car sounds, courtesy of New Long Lore, again sending some amazing S2000 sounds into the show that how cool is that? So last week he sent in some sounds drifting uh, and this week just revving the snot out of that F20 in that car. Very Very cool stuff. I love it. I love it. If you've got car sounds, I like to play them on the show. It's fun, right? So if you got those and you want to share them, send them in. You can email them to me, matt at throttlewarrior.com. Or you can also post them on the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. There is a post pinned to the top, and you can comment below with your car sounds. Now, in the future, again, as I get more people sending these in, I am going to do a giveaway, something small but something cool, uh, and I'm going to pick from the list of people who have sent in their car sounds to the show. So again, check that out, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. So now I want to move on to Dodge. Dodge has got some cool stuff that they are doing. You know, I've always liked them as a company, and full disclaimer, I've <clears throat> I've never owned a Dodge or Mopar product, really. And uh, I, yeah, I've, I've had Jeeps, but it's not quite the same thing. Also, my old Jeep is... Well, I mean, it's, it's American Motors. That's uh, It's pre-Chrysler, pre-Dodge. But anyway, um, they have announced the development of a new performance parts division. Yes, this is cool. They call it the Direct Connection parts catalog. And uh, this is a throwback to the 1970s when they had a, quote, direct connection parts catalog. They have the same thing. Uh, So that's great stuff. And uh, there's tons of factory-backed speed parts that they are going to sell that won't void your warranty, that have tons of R&D and, um, you know, all sorts of development that goes into them. You know, everything from engines to just simple tunes to superchargers to pulley kits to suspension parts transmission parts very very cool stuff and uh, the cool thing about that again is that this stuff won't void the warranty and it has the oems blessings if you will it has dodges um development that's put into it because all too often aftermarket parts are um yeah they're fun yeah they're durable but they don't always have the same sort of uh, research and development and testing and durability testing, more importantly, that the manufacturer puts into stuff. And that's not always the case for the aftermarket. There are some very well-developed parts out there for all sorts of cars. But typically speaking, that is kind of how things work. So why you know, would you want to go install some part from a random you know, uh, company or a random eBay part when you could have the same thing from Dodge That has actually been tested by, you know, Dodge powertrain engineers. I think that's cool. I think that's handy. Now, I think that more manufacturers need to do this. Again, I've never owned a Dodge product, but I love their commitment to gearheads, to auto enthusiasts. um, And, uh, you know, I mean, look at it this way. Most OEMs, most original equipment manufacturers, just care about selling new cars. They make the most of their money selling the new cars and then selling you oil changes and tires on that new car. Um, Dodge, and there's other companies that realize this too, but uh, not all of them. Dodge realizes that some people will never buy new. They just won't do it. I'm one of those people. I'm not going to buy new. It just isn't going to happen. Close to new, certified pre-owned. Maybe, maybe, but that's still pretty expensive. Um, and uh, but they know a lot of people are not going to buy cars new, but they're going to go buy them used secondhand and then they're going to go have fun with them. They're going to go race them. They're going to go take them to car shows. I mean, all that good stuff. And they're thinking like, well, how, you know, being a car business that's in also the business of making money, how do we make money off of the people who aren't going to buy our new cars? You do this performance parts catalog thing. Um, you offer enthusiasts parts that they can put on their car to make them faster, to make them more fun. And uh, that way, now you're capitalizing and selling to people uh, who were not going to buy your cars new no matter what. And it works out. I mean, that works out for Dodge. That works out for the enthusiasts who want to buy the parts. Of course, the Dodge parts are going to be more expensive than some random other aftermarket part. But, you know, you do do get that manufacturer backing and the warranty that comes with that. So that's cool. Now, another interesting thing, looking through this parts catalog, again, there's like, there's everything in there. Um, You can... Essentially, and some people on the internet were also commenting about this you can essentially replicate a Dodge Demon through the parts catalog, which probably makes Dodge Demon owners kind of mad because the Dodge Demon, unlike the Hellcat, was a very limited run, you know, less than a thousand you know, cars made is a very limited run and people paid premiums to get them because, Ooh, that's super limited. They're never going to make another one. And, and it's the fastest Dodge challenger there. It's faster than the Hellcat and the Hellcat red eye. Um, yeah. And, uh, so people paid a lot of money for that. And now Dodge has the performance catalog and you can basically buy all of the demon parts and stick them on your existing Dodge Hellcat red eye and have a demon. <laughs> so, yeah, why'd you go out of your way to spend, uh, you know, $200,000 marked up on a, on a demon or something stupid when you could have just done this? And it would still have a warranty. You can't even use the warranty, isn't but, Well, the demon's got the warranty. No, this all has the warranty. If you put it on a car with an existing warranty, it's going to have the warranty. That said, to have the warranty, you have to have a Dodge dealer install this stuff, which is uh, boo. I like installing my own parts because I'm cheap <laughs> and I don't want to pay labor. But anyway, um, yeah. So again, you could you could basically replicate a demon with this, which is I think it's kind of funny. I think it's kind of cool in the same token. Again, I wish more manufacturers did this. Now, of course, uh, Toyota famously does this with their TRD parts catalog. Um, and uh, now they have their gazoo racing section as well for all their performance parts. They do it. Uh, you know, Honda sells a lot of performance parts and also does their heritage parts catalog for old civics and uh you know, NSXs and, and uh, S2000. So, you know, I mean, there's manufacturers who get that, you know, people aren't going to buy the new cars. They just won't. There's nothing you can do to make them buy the new car. They want the old cars. And again, manufacturers realize, well, we can't make money selling new cars to these people. We're still going to sell our new cars to people who want to buy new cars, but we'll sell performance parts and cool stuff to enthusiasts who are really dedicated to these old platforms. And I think that's good. Um, Nissan, does that as well with the um, the GTRs. So yeah, good stuff right there. I really like it. I respect Mopar for doing it. Also throwing out there, uh, Dodge is still hiring for their chief donut officer. Yeah, I talked about this a while back, but uh, they are going to be opening up those applications in January. And uh, yeah, that, again, a brilliant piece of marketing. Of course, it's marketing, right? It's to get people on stupid podcasts talking about them. <coughs> uh, and uh, yeah. Well, what can I what can I say? But uh, that said, Dodge's uh, chief donut officer, I will be submitting my application for that job position. It's like one hundred and fifty K a year salary. They give you a Hellcat and then you just go to um, like Dodge, like press appearances and uh, and do donuts in a Hellcat. That's cool. I, I would do that. I, well, I, Of course, I, I do that. I, I mean, I do donuts anyway, but I would, uh, yeah, I would, I would totally get paid $150,000 a year to do that. So uh, not a bad gig right there. Now, hey, coming up, Nate, we're going to be talking about another auto manufacturer who is perhaps the polar opposite of Dodge, where Dodge is actively encouraging owners to modify their cars. Tesla, well... <laughs> We know what Tesla does. And there was a man who was very upset about Tesla, so much so that he blew up his own Tesla. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about that next.
1: Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of turbos danced in their heads. When out on the lawn. There arose such a clatter. I sprang from my bed to see what was the matter. When what to my wondering eyes did appear, but a Mark IV Supra with boost to hear! And a little old driver, so lively and quick, I knew in a moment, he must be Saint Nick! And then, in a twinkling, I heard the tires screech, the prancing and pawing of each horse power. Down the track Saint Nicholas came with a bound, a bundle of parts he had flung on his back. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work, and filled all the stockings with speed parts and more, for the children would not have to return the core. He sprang to a Supra with tires to roast, and down the track he went making the most. With 40 pounds of boost on tap, he tore, knowing the children would soon have more, saying Merry Christmas from the Automotive ADHD podcast. Ho, ho, horsepower.
0: Oh yeah, here we are rocking it for the third Half of the show, Matt West here, hanging out with you to talk about cars on the Automotive ADHD show. And uh, one thing I, I want to hit on here before we talk about Tesla. So <laughs> this is kind of cool. I, ju- I just saw this. I got to talk about it. Um, it's not a car, but it is cool. The U.S. Air Force is experimenting with including USB ports on their fleet of B-52 bombers. Yes, the B-52, by the way, has been in service since the 1950s. And uh, it's still in use today. And on top of that, the Air Force is planning to use them until 2040, almost 100 years on that airframe, uh, which is nuts. Again, I get it. This is not a car here. But see, there's some similarities here, right? Like the auto industry 10 years ago decided to start putting USB ports in cars because it's convenient. Well, the Air Force says, huh? Yeah, that's cool. We should put that on our B52s, the bombers. Yeah. Uh, and those I mean those are like the biggest bombers they have again if you if you're not picturing them, they're the very very big ones. Very big bombers. Um and uh yeah, now the goal here apparently is to reduce fires they say caused by having those uh portable um battery packs that pilots are taking their iPhones and their their tablets and stuff. Um onto airplanes, uh, onto their their B-52s, obviously. Pilots are taking tablets and stuff, and they're using them for mission essential stuff. You know, they're having checklists and maps and other things on there. And to keep the batteries topped up, they bring these battery packs on board. Well, the problem is lithium-ion batteries don't really like altitude. And that's a problem you do see in commercial airliners, you know, batteries blowing up. Not as often because inside the cabin, at least, it's pressurized. But that's one reason why it's... um pretty frowned upon putting lithium batteries in the uh, non-pressurized uh, storage area. And uh, I, I had a personal experience with that. I once went camping for about a week at, a, at a 11,000 feet above sea level. And uh, true story, the altitude caused an otherwise perfectly good lithium-ion battery in my phone to blow up. But anyway, um, yeah, that said... Um, the Air Force wants to reduce the chance of fires and reduce how many lithium-ion batteries are on board. Yes, the batteries in the pilot's tablets could still blow up, but they would rather have just that than, you know, tons of battery packs and stuff, you know, lying around auxiliary battery packs. And uh, so, yeah, they're designing a uh, USB port system to put in these B-52s, B- which again, it's the military and there's also an airplane. So there's the FAA involved and it's probably going to be 2030 by the time they get these approved and <laughs> and tested. Because yeah, we won't be using USB at that time. We'll, we'll be using, I don't know, Wi-Fi electricity or something stupid. I mean, we kind of have that already, but yeah. Yeah, by the time they get this stuff in, I guarantee we're gonna be we're gonna have moved on to other things. Uh, that said, you know, again, cars have had USB for years, but we they you know they now are starting to get cool things like Apple CarPlay, and uh, let's just not tell the Air Force about Apple CarPlay because they'll want that next. So yeah, just saying. So uh, anyway, hey, moving on to Tesla. Oh man, I. Is it do I do a single episode? Someone was calling me out for this. Like, do I do a single episode without talking about Tesla? They say any publicity is good publicity, right? Am I like secretly helping Tesla? I don't think so. They don't need anyone's help to do stupid things. Uh, I do like their cars, though. A family member of mine uh, has a Tesla Model 3 performance, and it's really fast and it's really fun. Uh, I get that. Also, they I was visiting with them over um, Christmas, and apparently Tesla has a uh a light show feature that they just sent out over a uh, update where you can have the car flash the lights and play Christmas music, and the windows go up and down to the tune of the music and the mirrors go in and out, okay, it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Like, I don't actively hate Tesla so much, I don't. I do dislike stupid policies that they have when it comes to repair, uh, when it comes to, um, you know, people modifying their own cars. I do think Tesla has a very stupid position in the market when it comes to that because, yeah, they're, they're known for banning people for making modifications to their cars, banning them from the Tesla Supercharger network, banning them for repairing their own cars. Um, you know, famously, there's been a, no, there've been a number of YouTubers who have like, I'm going to rebuild my Tesla, and they do it, and they do it well. And then Tesla says, we don't like that. You should have bought a new one. We're going to ban you from all of our products, and your, char- your car is not going to work anymore. Uh, I think that's ridiculous. Anyway, um, and another guy who thinks that that is ridiculous is a man in Finland. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name on the show. Um, I don't speak Finnish, but um, he uh, recently made a video that's kind of going viral right now uh, about how he bought a Tesla Model S back in 2013, put about 1,000 miles on it, and uh, then the car stopped working. He took it to his Tesla service center, and they said, yep, you need a new battery pack. That'll be over $20,000, please. And they said... Um, that they couldn't even fix it yet because they would have to get approval from Tesla corporate to install the battery pack and send the parts. They would have to ask for permission. And he said, that is ridiculous. So he parked the car. He said, no, I'm not paying you to fix it. And granted, he couldn't fix it himself because Tesla won't sell him a battery pack. Uh, and, uh, so he parked the car. It's been a few years now. And has decided that, you know what? He's going to go do something for internet clicks, as we all do, right? Well, how did the saying go like six or seven years ago? Do it for the Vine? Well, no one does that. Vine's not around. Yeah. <laughs> but you get the idea. He decided to uh, blow it up. He filled his Tesla with TNT and blew it up for the internet. And honestly, it's pretty fantastic. And the video, it's well produced. They had a nice... Uh, A really good cinematographer looks videographer put this together and it's a really nicely done video. And it's it's his friends going, taking the Tesla to a quarry, lining up a bunch of TNT along the side of it, you know, and they even got a um, Elon Musk dummy, an effigy, kind of like a, a mannequin with Elon Musk's face on it. Uh, and put that in the driver's seat, which yeah, hey, each to their own, each to their own, right? And uh, <laughs> then they decided to explode the car into lots of tiny pieces, and that it did, uh, proving that Teslas are not well uh, suited for uh, TNT explosions. They're just yeah, they're <laughs> they're not very good at dealing with that. So uh, look, the guy blew up his car. People saying, why would you blow up a perfectly good Tesla? It wasn't a perfectly good Tesla. It was a piece of crap. It was it was broken. If it was running, I I get that, right? Um, And honestly, had it been me, I don't know. I probably would have parted it out. Probably would have made more money selling door cards out of it and uh, windows and stuff. Just part it out at that point. Make your money back as much as you can uh, instead of blowing it up. Then again, hey, the internet works in weird ways. He might have made, I don't know, five bucks off of a few million views. So, uh, (laughs) hey, you never know. He blew up his Tesla. Should you blow up yours? I don't know. That is... um, that is entirely up to you. But it's your decision because you own the car. And again, Tesla, thinking is kind of of the opinion they can tell you what to do with something that you own. Just saying that's uh that's uh, never that's always my gripe with Tesla. I actually like their products. They're fun. They're cool. They're they're nice to drive. But as a company and the politics of their company suck. Just plain and simple. In in my opinion, um, they could honestly get more of an enthusiast crowd. Um. If they didn't do this stuff. Now, they obviously, Tesla has their own like cult of fanatics. Yeah, like Tesla people are a cult. Bona fide a cult. They will love them to the end of the earth. And uh, what can you do? What can you do? You can blow up your own Tesla if you wanted to, though. That is <laughs> that is on you. Well, hey, that's it for the show. I want to thank you, by the way, for joining me for this half hour edition of the Automotive ADHD podcast. Just a little bit lighter, not talking about anything too crazy. You know, it is the holidays. Spent some good time with the family. Hopefully you've been able to enjoy some time with the family. At the very least, you've had some time away from work. Maybe you've been able to get some stuff done in the car. Who knows? Just saying. And of course, uh, you can subscribe to this fine podcast. Well, that's that's saying a bit much, but you can subscribe where other fine podcasts are downloaded. And uh, of course, check out the Automotive ADHD Facebook page. Interact with the show there. Post your car sounds. Lots of good stuff going on there. We're growing the page. It's getting really good. You got to check it out. And I will see you next week. Same time, same place. Where, uh, when Larry the Cable Guy helps me win a NASCAR race. Yeah, I'll see you then.